Kay. I'm Brian. And, and this, this is, is Comicsverse. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Comics First podcast. This is not as special as the uh, 50th anniversary episode, or it's not even anniversary, just the 50th episode. But it is still special because I get to have Kathy Wisniewski with me, who she uh, she's actually a Marvel Comics assistant editor now, and she's a good friend and co- our usual co-host to Justin Alba, who's the CEO, and he's doing something else right now. Right. So this is Kay Honda speaking. Mm, all you. Listeners are lucky to have Kay as your host. So, today. oh my god, like so lucky! It's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's you should be really excited right now. Okay, but today we're gonna be talking about Black Panther and his origin story. So, I think it was 2013 when you guys first started doing origin stories. So, this is like a part two on just recording a bunch of origin stories and discussions about them. So, we're gonna discuss Black Panther and I guess some a good start off place is to just talk about everyone's familiarity or lack of familiarity with Black Panther because for me, I wasn't familiar with Black Panther at all. But I thought this was an interesting jump off point because it so thoroughly explained kind of his history and his origin from his tribe or his relationship with his tribe. So we can go around in a circle and you can tell us your name so it's not just ghost voices speaking into the ether. So... (laughs) Kathy can go first. Yeah, I'm Kathy of previous mention. I'm going to quickly fill in for Justin and say a bunch of stuff about where you can find us on social media before I answer True, what I know that's kind of necessary. So you can find us at comicsverse.com. That's our website and where we live all the time. Facebook.com slash comicsverse. Twitter at comicsverse. Tumblr, comicsverse.tumblr.com. There are cool video reviews on YouTube slash comicsverse TV. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and eventually iHeartRadio. So all of the things, everything. If and Instagram. Yeah, you can practically Thank you, Brian. listen to this podcast by accident because we're in so many places. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. So Black Panther, I had read the first story that he appears in as part of a a comic book class because it it was like towards the beginning of when comics creators were starting to be more intentional about including more than just white dudes in comics. And his his story is like, uh, it's like an apology for <laughs> centuries of exploiting Africa, kind of. And so it's inadequate. Kind of? It's totally it's inadequate. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. I, the kind of was more to the apology part than the okay. exploitation part. It was <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. exploitation. But so uh, he is like a badass and super tough and Wakanda is amazing. And then like for most of the decades that follow, I think most people are familiar with Black Panther as a guy who shows up during important events. He's like, oh, I'm here to help you. Avengers. I'm here to help the X-Men. Here I am. Goodbye. Here I am on a cover with a bunch of comic book characters and I'm here too. I'm Black Panther. Don't forget that I'm a black guy named Black Panther. Um, But But I'm also just doing my own thing because I have shit to run by. Like y'all are not that important. Right. (laughs) So yeah, my familiarity was like as the old like in comic origin like here I am I'm super cool and then as a guy who shows up for major events before reading this run so what how how do you guys know Black Panther Jamie and Tom my Black Panther knowledge is few and far between and it's kind of like your knowledge Kathy it's kind of mm-hmm. like I've seen him show up and I know he's around and he existed but I didn't really know anything about him personally I actually didn't even know necessarily about 
his history in Africa, where he's from or Wakanda. So for me, it was kind of like, oh, like I'm happy that we have this black superhero, but I never really knew his story. It's ironic. It's an apology. But at the same time, I was like, oh, he doesn't really have a story. Okay. (laughs) So now it's kind of like my new introduction to him. But I think he's super cool. And I think there's a lot of interesting things about him. And one of those could be the fact that I don't know if I know him well as a person, which we're going to talk about later. So Yay! Yay. So I think. T- oh, sorry. Did so no, Tom? I think yeah, that's yeah. what I. Oh, okay. Oh, oh you're waiting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. So my next lead up was actually to Tom because Tom is, I think, the most familiar with um, Black Panther and is the biggest fan out of all of us. So hello, Tom. How are you? The UK. Yes, he is from the UK. You also have to lean in so we can hear you, <laughs> sir. Cheryl Sandberg style. Yes. Okay. Let's give that a try. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, so I guess instead of asking you what your first thoughts were, um, what is kind of give us a background of your familiarity with Black Panther? If you can remember, uh, what were your first thoughts when you did start first reading Black Panther? Well, I think for me, the Black Panther was a character I'd always known about in the background. So I've read quite a few of the older issues. As with Kathy, I've read the apology that Marvel issued when they first created the character. But back in sort of the early 2000s, I'd gotten out of comics for a few years, traitor that I am. And it was actually Black Panther that got me back into comics. Because at that time, Marvel were doing um, quite a push. They were for the Black Panther. They actually married him to Storm. And Mm. I remember coming across that issue in a new comic shop that had just opened in the town I lived in. And I was fascinated with the idea of the Black Panther marrying Storm. It seemed a bit left field to me Mm. uh, because I'm... I grew up on the X-Men comics. I was intrigued to see where it went, so I picked up all the issues before and all the issues after. And I've pretty much followed Black Panther since, all the way through into Doom War and then into what Jonathan Hickman's been doing in the run-up to Secret Wars as well. Mm. In a way, the comics we've just read for this podcast, the first six issues of um, this Black Panther run, they basically set the foundation for everything Marvel did for the Black Panther from that moment on. So we really are at, at the very ground level of where Marvel would go here. Absolutely loved it and really found myself enjoying the world building Mm. that we saw in it. Um, I think that's the thing that I really liked was the idea of let's create a whole new world Mm. and just have fun with it. And that really drew me in. Yeah, so definitely a fan. All right, perfect. Okay, so Brian. Brian's our last person to talk about his first thoughts on Black Panther, and he's allowed to be totally honest about it. What did you that, think? That, that's the setup to, for me to be a terrible human what being. What did you think? He's a <laughs> Much worse Cal. than all it is going to say. He's a Simon Cowell on our panel today. <laughs> uh, all that? I would say is my biggest exposure to Black Panther before this was probably like Kathy. Like I have somewhere in like a, a Masterworks volume, the Fantastic Four that he first appears in, and I've read that a bunch of times. Other than that, I don't think I had ever read any of his solo books. Like, I know, I think there was a solo series in the late 90s or early 2000s by Christopher Priest that I, I, I've never read. I know was really controversial because I think it was from the point of view of, like, a white character watching Black Panther, which sounds really odd to me. But um, these were the first Black Panther solo series issues. And I actually, I read them back in 2005. And then I read them again for this podcast. And I, I liked it. I mean, I always thought he was a cool character, like, when he would show up in Avengers events and, like, a sort of Marvel Universe-wide event. That that's really all I got on Black Panther. Lukewarm response. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I think that's a very valid adjective. Mm-hmm. Lukewarm well, works. This I mean, case setup made it sound like I was gonna be like, I hate the Black no, Panther. No, no. <laughs> well, it's not even like I feel like if you hated it, 
you would yeah i mean hate is just so passionate but i think that yeah whatever okay let's move on <laughs> anyway so kind of what tom was talking about in terms of like the world that they set up the first segment i wanted to talk about was I guess Tom brought up something very interesting earlier on when we were talking when it wasn't recording, unfortunately. But we were talking about how whether the first six issues that we read for this podcast was actually about Black Panther at all in the sense that it seemed to be more geared towards representing Wakanda than the Black Panther. So that's one layer of the topic. And the second layer is kind of just the themes of technology and nature with that tribe of Wakanda. So if anyone wants to take it away, you can. Well, in reference to the issues kind of being more about Wakanda than they are about Black Panther, I kind of alluded to that in my statement that I don't think I know exactly who the Black Panther is just based on the first six issues. And since it's a lot about what makes Wakanda Wakanda, and then it kind of goes into the technological side of it and then the way the West is related to this part of Africa. And they have that, I love that analyst character that comes in to tell everyone in the White House about it, mostly because I also watched yeah. the animation and I really liked his voice. Uh -huh. He's like, Wakanda is a tribe in Africa. They are most notable for never invading another country ever yeah. and having ridiculous technical prowess. I find that so fascinating. I I mean, he but was think, also like so necessary because we were the people in the White House for like or anyone who like, like was fuck? going into it. We're just like, OK, so that's what Wakanda is. Interesting. Um, yeah. But I, but I think yeah. you do a great job of taking something that's like completely new and making me really understand what they're about. And I feel like that's the problem with the Black Panther character is that I really understand like who he is, the Wakandan, but maybe not who he is as a person, mm -hmm. which comes more into play when he like is with Storm and he talks to his family. But I think what is great about the six issues is that it really sets up that Western African like divide. Mm -hmm. I think it's the best way to put it. Right. Yeah. I think, so. I think for me, one of the interesting bits to particularly the first six issues is I feel as though they're actually treating Wakanda as a character as much as the Black Panther. And it's about trying to familiarise yourself with the world in which he operates. It reminds me of, for example, issues of Batman where Gotham almost feels like a character that right, you can yeah. love and understand and interpret. And I think that's what Reggie Hudlin is trying to do here, is mm -hmm. to create a world that we then place the person in just as you understand Batman through the lens of Gotham as another character. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's quite an ironic way to do it, because Black Panther had frequently been criticised as just being Marvel's second-rate black knockoff of Batman. Mm -hmm. So it's ironic that he's choosing to do that. But obviously the world he's trying to build is very, very, very different to Gotham City. Yeah. Trying to create this sort of African paradise here. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry not to interrupt, but I guess if anything, it's actually a complete opposite to Gotham because people yep. want to emulate what Wakanda has because of their technological prowess or progression. So does anyone else have anything to add? Well, just uh, speaking of Wakanda and Tom, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, because like I said, I don't have much, I hadn't read much solo Black Panther, but I believe that this series almost retconned a bit of Wakanda because I know originally the idea from the very beginning was that Wakanda was quote unquote technologically advanced. But I know at least when the Fantastic Four first visit there and Black Panther's first appearance, uh, the country is technologically advanced, but the peoples there still live in huts and like wear loincloths, and it's just kind of offensive stereotype of Palooza. Yeah. And really, in this series, they're presented what residents of a well-off technological nation would look like. Yes, I think you're right with that, to be honest, Brian. I think that, ironically, when Stanley... Um 
was putting together the Black Panther creation, there's a lot in there that is still caricatured, a heck of a lot. But that Reggie Hudlin tries to avoid that caricature. You do still see in later issues areas of Wakanda that are still living in huts and things like that. I think the idea of Wakanda is simply that they will use what they need to use. So if there are places that need to be technologically advanced, they will be technologically advanced. Right. If there's a simple lifestyle that works, then the simple lifestyle will be embraced and carried on. Mm. And I think there's almost a a much more simplistic philosophy rather than our own society which is always striving to improve and advance they mm. simply advance as much as they feel they see the need at the moment right and then just get on with life yeah so you get that disparity running through Wakanda where there are areas that we would say are living in poverty and yet they never are short of food mm-hmm. because they've got an efficient food system supporting them and then you've got areas that are cities You've got Mm -hmm. this brilliant contrast of lifestyles going on there that I do think is really interesting to question as whether it's humanly possible Mm -hmm. to live with that kind of disparity. But it's an interesting presentation. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go take this to Kathy at some point too, but it's really interesting that you say that because I was actually wondering about that kind of, I guess, to go with what you were saying, Tom, like the characterization of Wakanda because it is a primitive or like quote-unquote visually like stereotypically primitive village, but they're known to be technologically advanced. And it's interesting that they kind of adhere to this like traditional way of living that's very much based on necessity. So technology is about curing ailments or figuring out how to have enough food for everyone. But everything is like strangely diplomatic and still very like about the community. And it's not about excess in any way. Like if anything, the only excessive part is like the worship of Black Panther, which we'll get into later. So Kathy, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely Wakanda is more the center than Black Panther himself. And I also felt like I didn't end up knowing very much more about him as a person. Also, I that's related to his role, right? Like it, the title is inherited. And so when you become the Black Panther, you're less of the person that you were before, <coughs> presumably. Um, right. That's probably somewhat intentional. But I, I think it's great that we had a Black writer reimagining Wakanda because course, a, yeah. another thing that the six issues do is contextualize Wakanda in relation to another fictional African country. Mm-hmm. And something that uh, most Americans, and I definitely include myself in this, is unfortunately true is that we don't, we just don't know that much about Africa. Um, yeah, we don't. And so usually Wakanda is portrayed as like in contrast to the United States or to other Western countries. Mm-hmm. And it actually reveals so much more about like what could be utopian or what could be ideal or Mm. like how the influence of like military bribery is poisonous. And so I thought that was interesting and also probably taught some people some things that they hadn't been aware of before. Right. I mean, I think it's valid because I feel like a lot of civilizations are criticized, especially by the U.S. Like, I'll say us because just for the sake of, um, because I'm here in the United States and I'm a citizen, but... Like, it's very easy to criticize other civilizations uh, for being quote unquote primitive because of like their reverence for a deity or just like how primitive they are. But it's funny that Black Panther is kind of showing Wakanda as this very technologically advanced, necessity driven, spiritual group 
Like they're like a warrior cult, but they don't attack people unnecessarily. They're just very good at defending themselves. And I think it's really interesting because what I wanted to talk about in the next segment as well, in terms of just kind of what Kathy touched upon was like the familial aspect of kind of, you know, inheriting this role as Black Panther for the Wakandan tribe and how if there's a difference between the Wakandan identity and being the Black Panther, because I feel like in a way the Black Panther has to be an ambassador for Wakanda. So I'm wondering if there's any distinction between the two. All right, so now we're going to get into Black Panther in terms of Black Panther as an identity that is passed down in a family and how it's kind of quote unquote royal blood. And uh, we just left off on thinking that is there a difference between Black Panther as a person or an identity and the Wakandan tribe as a whole? Because Black Panther seems representative of like the Wakandan ideals and he's kind of like the human representation of this kind of deity. So who would like to start? I'm going to pick somebody. Jamie, why don't you start? Great. Um, (laughs) Go! (laughs) On the spot. But I think that I kind of previously alluded to the fact that, and we all kind of did, that we didn't really know T'Challa or the Black Panther. And I think that's intentional, as Kathy was saying, because I think they wanted to show the Black Panther as this ideal form of the Wakandans. And I think that it might have been in a later issue that I read past an accident of, but there's kind of like a statement where he kills someone and he's like, well, I am judge, jury, and executioner. Like Mm -hmm. he is this deity. He represents the highest order kind of like there's not really many checks and balances. It's not necessarily like a democratic process except for the fight they have where you get to challenge the Black Panther. Mm -hmm. And even then he wins, which is a very interesting statement about maybe royal blood. But I think that when it comes to the family, it seems like it's very much in the family. And T'Challa comes alive as a person when he's with the family because then I get to like mm-hmm. know about his past and what he did and how he relates to people. But I think that because when he is the Black Panther, he has to shut down. So I think there is that the military cult kind of comes out in the Black Panther role because he isn't necessarily a person in that moment. He's more just a decision maker who's very well trained. Yeah. Or a V for Vendetta ask like mm-hmm. he's an idea more than a person right yeah, right anyone else had anything to add <laughs> if not i can poke okay you're about. like that teacher in class that was like anyone anyone <laughs> anyone bueller okay no um, <laughs> well i always have things to say so uh, <laughs> yeah i mean tom definitely take it away in terms of just what you think about wakanda and black panther and if there's a difference between the two even or a distinction I think that the key is in the title of the comic. It's not T'Challa, it's Black Panther. And so as a result, the writer's less interested in getting us to know T'Challa as a person here than he is in getting us to understand Wakanda and the role the Black Panther mm-hmm. plays in that society. So I think that that's a key aspect of what's going on here. I think that has its disadvantages. The disadvantage is that we as readers connect to individuals better than we do to roles. Mm. Whereas because this is all about establishing the role and the society, it just feels that we don't connect with the person as much. That is something that I think Reggie Hudlin became aware of, and I think that's one of the reasons that he connected with Storm and Mm. brought Storm into the books later on to try and solidify T'Challa as a person in his own right. Right, because it humanizes him. 
Yeah, but I think that's one of the criticisms that can be made of this. There's uh, one of the letters pages has a really interesting quote that says, this may not be a book just about the king. Mm. This is a book about the legend. And mm. I like that because that is very much what I think Reggie Hudlin's focus is here. I think he's trying to present the legend of the Black Panther and to get us to understand the myth, the mythology and the meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. There is one aspect, though, of it that, always fascinates me which is the tie between the black panther and the panther god Mm. later on in the comics it becomes almost that the black panther's an avatar of the panther god and that that's what the role involves now from our perspective that seems a little bit okay that's a bit far-fetched but hey it's comics right in universe i couldn't help laughing at the way different characters in this first arc are dismissive of the panther god Mm. hold on a minute you live in a world in which the mighty Thor is one of the Avengers. Yeah. And dismissing the idea that there are spirit beings and other god beings and that there might be something to this mystic cult. Mm-hmm. You're happy with Hercules wandering around. <laughs> and yet you have a problem with a panther god. But that's the and thing. Like, that totally parallels with the real world in the sense of just politics and spiritual or religion, spirituality or religion. And that's what's so interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up because we do want to talk about that later. It's just that, like, do you think also, I guess, in loot, like you were saying very aptly that, you know, like T'Challa at some point becomes more of an avatar for the Black Panther god uh, more than his own being. And that's interesting because, I mean, at least for me, especially in the first six issues, it's funny, like, because you see how there is, like, this annual fight where somebody in the tribe can take the throne if they want to, even if it's, like, someone's blood right. It's just, like, a chance for finding a better suitor for leader. And it's interesting to me because uh, Black Panther ends up being multiple people in the first six series or the first six issues, and they're all bound by blood in some way. But it's just interesting to me because that made me think of Spider-Man for some reason for, like, at first because it's, like... That's not distracting at all. (laughs) But yeah, so like it's interesting to me because it does go with the idea that Black Panther is an idea. He's not really a person. That's why like it's really interesting that you said that the book like the series is not called T'Challa. It's not about T'Challa. It's about like the idea of who Black Panther is. And I guess like it's interesting because it's almost necessary for him to not be a specific person. Like, it's kind of like any person who becomes a Black Panther or fights to be the Black Panther has to not only earn it, but is like becomes their vessel, you know, like this vessel for this quote unquote spirit, if you want to use that term. And his costume makes him more anonymous than many of the other costumes in the Marvel universe. And uh, we have that cool moment where in the first six issues, like the third or fourth, where he talks to that boy who waits to get medical treatment before he can thank him for saving him. And it's one of the the rare times when he takes his mask off and it's one of the most personal moments. Like he's most likable. Yeah. Like really drawn, really handsome and charming and his smile Mm -hmm. is beautiful and he's talking to a little boy and says like that I represent what you could be like that anyone could yeah. be the Black Panther which is so like I don't like again I'm not an expert but 
that seems like I've never seen something that like that where you just like where the guy just takes off his mask and is like I am I am representative of everything you want like you want to be or like that good part of you and just able to because like he's still royalty he's still in more or less a king so of course he has to show his public you know his face and say like look this is I want you to learn from this like it doesn't have to just be the mask which is so unusual Usually because people just like even the point of a mask is usually to hide your identity. But it's not even like for Black Panther, it's not about hiding your identity at all. It's more about especially in the first six issues. It's not about hiding. It's about kind of representing something else. Yeah, I think you've hit on something there because for a lot of superheroes, the mask is an attempt to make themselves less of a person and more of a symbol and an ideal. With the Black Panther, the mask is to make himself more than just a person. He is a person, but he strives to be more than that. He becomes the ideal. And I think that's a key difference between the Black Panther and a lot of other superheroes. A lot of them, they stumble into becoming the ideals. And so, as the comics go on, you suddenly start to see legacy heroes like Spider-Gwen. Or Spider-Girl, or whatever, homages. The Black Panther is designed to be a legacy. Mm-hmm. to be carried on down the line. It's designed for different people to say, I aspire to be more than myself, mm. but to become this symbol. And I recognize that that is greater than me. So it's less of a casting off your humanity, as say with Batman, mm-hmm. than it is an embracing your humanity and then going beyond it. Mm. Um, it's quite an interesting idea. I actually was wondering about that because I didn't know if I could firmly oh. say that Black Panther transcends humanity. He certainly acts like it. You know, like many times just in future comics, like even when he deals with the X-Men, he's just like just saying like you could do this and it would be smarter and it would save a lot of time. Like, you know, just like very not even like just condescending because he's just, you know, very in a place of like not even like I don't want to say that he's like Thor in the sense that it's just like he thinks that humans are petty because he, he is human. He like not like what like you said, like he acknowledges that humanity and necessity is just that necessarily he kind of almost dehumanizes himself to be able to fight for that same humanity. And um, Brian, do you have anything to add? Putting you on the spot right now. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Honestly, the, left I, I was going to bring up the Batman thing that Tom brought up. Oh, good. That was going to be like my point. Because me and him tend to think alike with things, so now I have nothing. Thanks, Great. Kay. Good. Sorry, good. Why is that my fault? How is it not Tom's fault? <laughs> uh, you put me on the spot. I, you're sorry. sitting here. I blame you. <laughs> Tom's all the way in London. I can't possibly blame him. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> um, what was I saying about the... Okay, so like, we, we touched upon how... Okay, so T'Challa as like... Let's talk about T'Challa for a second, actually. Like, let's set aside Black Panther as just an identity for a second and talk about T'Challa. Did people feel disconnected? This goes into the next segment a little bit too, so I won't get too deep into it. We don't get too deep into it, but just like the leading question before we move on is kind of in one word, do we think we know T'Challa? No. No, me neither. Not in these first six issues. No. Controversially? Yes. (laughs) Interesting. Can we, let's get a, let's get a good read on that. Just like in a sentence, explain why, and then we'll cut to the next segment. Because I think that Reggie Hudlin, as a writer, is presenting a different way to understand the character, which is why I think they sometimes struggle. That's perfect. That's a perfect <laughs> hook. Okay. Alrighty. So our next question, or not even a next question, I guess the, the lead into the next topic is a bit more of a firm 
characterization or understanding of Black Panther. And then we're also going to go into T'Challa's character a little bit. And we talked about Black Panther and our understanding and identify or our interpretation of uh, Black Panther as an idea. So uh, we wanted to talk about T'Challa a little bit because personally, I as much as I loved Black Panther, I couldn't feel connected with T'Challa and especially because as Tom and everyone had pointed out it was more about his tribe that and Black Panther than him so I guess for me like the only time I really did connect to T'Challa was whenever his family came into play which comes into kind of the familial necessity of his role as Black Panther so like Whenever he was in a conflict and his family was at risk, that's when I felt most connected to T'Challa, like, specifically. So I wonder what everyone else felt about that. I still, I, I like, even in those moments, I, I had a hard time relating to him. I, I think part of uh, what was interesting about this and maybe in keeping with, like, our idea that the tribe is more important, it seems almost as if every member of the family was given equal weight. So Chala, his uncle, his father in the flashbacks, his sister, his cousin, I guess. Um, but He didn't earn it, though. He tried, yeah. but he didn't earn it. Yeah. So, like, it almost felt like I knew as much about each of these characters as I did about T'Challa. And Mm. so it was like, it was cool seeing more about his mother, but in the end, I didn't end up knowing as much about any one of them as as I would expect from an origin story. But, you know, it's a a different approach and maybe not necessarily. But I mean, I actually wonder about this. I hope this leads into what Tom is thinking, too. But I'm wondering if... Black Panther is more of like this weird familial identity versus just an individual identity. Like, I mean, that sounds like really redundant, but like this one person's identity because it's very easy to, you know, like Tom was saying, it's really easy to get connected to one person or one person's thought process. But when it's like this weird collective, it's a little bit harder. And I think you're right that in terms of Black Panther's identity or like his um, movement (coughs) through just power and how he does things that, yeah, he does. It's like lots of people can tap into that power like the uncle can. And so I don't know what if you have anything to add to that, Tom. Well, to me, um, when you asked the question um, a minute ago, do I feel like we got to know the Black Panther? And I answered controversially, yes. The reason for that is because I think that we're looking at the comic through the wrong cultural lens. Our cultures are very, very individualistic. They're all about an individual Mm. person stood on their own, wanting to get to grips with their motive, their character, their history, Mm -hmm. all of those different aspects. Whereas I've got several friends from Africa, actually, in quite a few areas of Africa. They don't understand the idea of individualism. Mm. They view a person as part of a whole. And you can't the African thought would be that you can't understand a person apart from their culture mm-hmm. and from their family. The individual, it's almost an irrelevance in a lot of those African thought patterns. And I think that's what's going on here. I think the Black Panther makes perfect sense on, to the extent that you treat him as part of his context, mm-hmm. as an individual. Now, the catch, of course, is that the comic is marketed to Western Comic right, fire, yeah. Which means we are not trained and equipped in the same kind of reading skills that an African culture may have in seeing that sort of collective mindset. So to us, it is weird. Mm-hmm. We struggle. 
But that's because we're simply looking at it through a different cultural lens, through a lens that T'Challa himself, I don't think he'd accept. You mentioned how he treats other societies as in a condescending way. Mm-hmm. I actually think the individualism is the thing that he treats with condescension. Oh, he yeah. Individualism in, Western, in the Western world. And he just sees greed unchecked, avarice, a lack of care for the rest of the world, a failure to live up to your duties to the community. So he looks at the Western world and he thinks, what do you have to offer me? Right. He sees the Western world as these are just children who haven't grown up. Right. But I also think that their condescension, like his condescension comes from like, I can't help but think like Black Panther comes from the Wakandan tribe that is known for not attacking other countries. Right. And they're very insular in that way. Like they're not about interacting with others. Like they're not about doing any trade things or anything. But and while I think that that's like in terms of utility or in terms of just I don't want to say purity because it seems like a loaded word, but in terms of just like keeping one universal thought process that works. But at the same time, it's like they're purposefully isolating themselves from everyone else and probably for the best in terms of just safety and also just holding their resources to their own. But that also kind of suggests like, are they anyone's ally though? And that's kind of what's weird. And that'll go into our next segment too, but we don't have to get into that now. But it's kind of interesting that you say that like, I see how he condescends individuality because I, although I wasn't born in Japan, like Japan is also like a place that's very about kind of being a cog in a overall machine versus being an individual. And that's not the American way at all. Or like, as far as I can see, it's not. And I don't hate it. There are pros and cons to everything. But it's interesting to me because Japan is also like a very small collection of islands, pretty much, you know, like they're just prefectures. It's not like the US. They're not as big as the US in any way. And it's interesting that that like countries like that tend to be like, we're all in this together. Like, you know, we're all part of one big mass and then it's interesting that that does come into Black Panther because I didn't think about that but it's totally true where it's just kind of you again like going back to the identity thing it's like a collective identity versus just individualism so yeah (laughs) well I do have something I can say related to it so I'll, I'll go with it but kind of The hollowness that I think Kathy was describing, I think kind of could come from what um, Tom was saying, that we have the wrong lens, whereas we're wanting individuals versus collectives. But I do think that that problem is probably, I think there's a tension between collective versus individual in the characterization of T'Challa, because it's very collective. And then it'll have a moment like where he's obsessed with finding his father's killer. And it feels out of place in that kind of collective Mm. society because there hasn't really been any twinge of like his individual desire to get revenge gain in the way. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like in some ways, even though I, appre- like, I appreciate the storyline, I think that his revenge all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, but you seemed like such a ruler with your head on your shoulders. Right, and didn't have yeah. any personal vendettas. And all of a sudden, like, this is a problem. So I think that maybe somebody was like, you need to have like a more clear individual thread. And that pulled it apart. So I guess there could have been for me maybe a sense of who he was before. And that mm-hmm. kind of rocked it. And I was like, oh, he's also that. And also he has all these like lady troubles. Okay, that doesn't seem like in line with what I assumed before. Right. But... I guess I'll accept it. So I think that there's just kind of a problem between maybe like what was Western individualism needing us to relate to the character by giving him these backstory elements mm-hmm. versus like a collective Wakandan, I can't think of the word, but like perfection or like mm-hmm. 
unification maybe that yeah. was kind of like at in at odds that maybe that's why I don't think I know him because I think that he's having they have a hard time reconciling what is supposed to be his personal backstory that we didn't know about before mm-hmm. and what makes a Wakandan Black Panther right does anyone think, else have anything to add I think one thing to remember that you guys probably won't know from the reading you've taken with this one but in the long term the Black Panther failed and everything from this moment on runs to the story Jonathan Hickman's completed just before Secret Wars kicked off, mm. where there is no longer a Wakanda at all, wow. because Wakanda and Atlantis literally wore each other to the ground. Mm. Um, so ultimately, ironically, I think, yes, there's that tension, and I think that tension is thing that gradually eats away at Wakanda and destroys it, because you get this whole arc where Wakanda is seeking revenge on Atlantis for the attack in Avengers vs. X-Men. Mm. And so they literally wipe out Atlantis. Atlantis is gone because of Wakanda. Mm. Namor then retaliates by telling Thanos that the Wakandans have the Infinity Gems. Mm. Which means Wakanda is gone as well. Mm. You're talking mutual destruction here. But again, it's that pursuit of revenge that actually drives that mutual destruction. And so you see that hint in this very first arc of the very character trait that will prove to be the end of Wakanda. Quite an interesting touch. Now, I've not seen that until you said that one there, Jamie. But it is interesting that it's the same character issue that leads to the end of Wakanda. I mean, but we were talking about that or we were talking earlier also about how, I'm sorry, I forgot who said it specifically, but how Wakanda is like almost this utopia in terms of like how they're technologically advanced. They only do things in terms of utility. They don't, you know, mess with other people or other communities unless they're messed with because people like they have something that's desirable to other people. But that it's really interesting that you shed light on that, Tom, because to me, that and Atlantis, to, like we're both like they're both not even utopias, but like these fantastical places that there's no way it could exist. And that's why it's interesting that they're both destroyed because it's like, can they survive as that kind of culture? Yeah. In Marvel, at least they're both isolationists. They both have like, uh, Namor was always this way that he was, he cared more about the Atlanteans than he did about anything else. Yeah, Um, of course. Especially protective of his nation. And we see elements of that in Wakanda too. They they are more advanced and they're certainly like, uh, it's, they deserve to be saying this, but they have a cure for cancer and they have not shared it with the rest of the world. Yeah. And that's within their rights and who's to say that it it would help anything. But I think that's also something that we're supposed to think about as we are reading about this utopia, because if you rely on collectivism, but then you have these really firm borders um, and you don't relate to the people outside of them. Maybe that also is part of what contributed to the downfall. I think it's, it's really interesting that Atlantis and Wakanda destroy each other mm-hmm. because that, that's something that it's they so both necessary. had in common. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, it's funny because also in light of that, the leading question was about getting to know T'Challa. And it's interesting because there is no getting to know T'Challa from what we read. And I think that's really interesting because we talked about all of these other characters who could have very easily been Black Panther or are Black Panther. And we get a better idea of what kind of people they are. And it's kind of like T'Challa was most successful because he fits this idealist or utopian idea of what Wakanda or places like Atlantis 
should be like. And unfortunately, like that's their strong point, but that's also their downfall. And with T'Challa, I thought it was really interesting that he was the one to succeed. Like, obviously, just the obvious is that he's the son of the lost father. Basically, yeah, like somebody who had passed away, he was the son and he took the next role and he won it fairly. But it's just interesting to me because, you know, the uncle, his uncle was the Black Panther in his stead. And the uncle's son, his cousin, Tishan, could have easily, you know, or not easily, but he could have been the Black Panther and he wanted to be. And he even feels some resentment about it because he's just like, look how happy my father is that like my cousin won. And then also, like Jamie was saying before, with Shuri, like she escaped like from her um, from her room just to try just to try to like fight the Black Panther and earn her right too. And it's interesting because all of these motivations are very individualistic. And maybe that's why they couldn't be Black Panther, at least at that time. Because, and maybe that's why we can't feel connected with T'Challa in the way that we feel connected with his family members. Because... He's suppo- like he's already he's already there mindset wise and character wise. He's already there. He is a Black Panther. But we see all these other people who want to be him. But even that necessary like desire to be him is already too individualistic or, you know, like it has to be like this unified, almost intangible thing. And I thought that was really interesting, too. All right. So just to start wrapping up here, we're going to talk a little bit about, I guess, Uh, the role of war and dominion as well as religion in the six issues that we read. And does anyone want to start us off? And if not, then I guess I'll have to. (laughs) No? Bueller? (laughs) I was saying to Kathy that I thought one of the clear parallels between the real world and the world of Marvel and the Black Panther universe is that we talked before how like people will accept the thunder god Thor, but they won't accept the panther god. And it reminded me a lot of Western perceptions of like Eastern religions or even African religions in relation to like worshiping gods that aren't just like the singular god or like gods in Hinduism that are elephants and stuff like that and people not being able to reconcile that. And so I think uh, the Black Panther does a good job <laughs> in its apology in the way that it says like this is a very real power and this is a very real reality and all the characters that we focus on even like when you go on later they have characters they focus on that are like not from Africa but they're still black and it's still their lives like they're not really focusing on white lives except for the fact that like white people are stupid and like have no idea how to handle any of this and just like ruin it it reminds me I really love that scene with his father in the flashback and he goes to that meeting and he's like I have the cure for cancer but I'm not gonna give it to you guys because Lord knows you would just like fuck it up anyway like I don't even it's just kind of the condescension that you were talking about Kay but I think that the comic does a great job of like taking religion and not making it like a weird, like foreign thing and just being like, this is the way they do it. And it mm. works way better than everything we do anyway. So like, I don't know why you would judge it. But what did you think about, I guess to add on to that, this is like open for discussion, obviously. It's not just for Jamie, even though I love Jamie. <laughs> like, what do you think about like the religion aspect of like the villain too, like the Black Knight and everything? And how that's like he would be like not even he wasn't even the main adversary. Uh, Claw was the main adversary. I can't believe Mm -hmm. this is the first time we're talking about him. But like it's interesting that uh, the Black Knight is also like such an integral part of the uh, the villains team. And I wonder what anyone thought about that. Um, Well, if no one wants to say anything about the Black Knight, I would say that I thought it was interesting how he gave that whole speech to everyone about like God and the crusade. 
And that was probably the most clear moment of them criticizing imperialism, kind of like crusade wars, like I'll fight this war for God. And he's like, the people might not say they want God, but we all know that like we're doing them a favor. So, I mean, I think it was pretty clear that they were taking down and they didn't do anything with Islam, but they also mentioned Islam. Like Mm -hmm. it's like Christianity and Islam are growing on the continent. So I think it was kind of like a takedown of like maybe like the three religions, like the three, like I don't remember what you call that, but like Judaism, Islam and Christianity, like they're like Mm -hmm. kind of they're to evangelize and like pull people in. Whereas like Wakanda is the opposite of that. Like they're very isolationist. Like they're like, we do us. Mm -hmm. They're very, you do you. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that was definitely like one of the main takeaways with religion, especially about Christianity, which is like good for, I mean, it's impressive for them to take such a opposing stance, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, the, one of the reasons for that one is because of African history, because I don't know how much you guys know about it, but in, in England, we have to do um, quite a bit of studying into the scramble for Africa, as it was called. So in the 19th century, you've actually got scenes of it in the first issue. All sorts of European countries were basically rushing out to try and conquer Africa. And the idea was that they were trying to civilize Africa. They believed mm. that it was what they called the white man's burden. Right. Convert Africa to lead it to religion, to lead it to Christianity, to lead it to support their imperialistic ways. And the Black Knight, to me, is actually representing the scramble for Africa. Mm. He's there saying exactly the same things that were being said only a couple of hundred years ago. Mm. And a little bit of me, i got to admit, as a Christian, I find it disturbing Mm. that that kind of philosophy actually was part of Christianity at that time. I don't like that. Yeah. Because that kind of arrogance and an attitude is just appalling to see. But the Black Knight is very much representing a very real attitude that did exist. Yeah, I mean, it still exists, maybe not in the same context, but it still exists that like just being like, oh, like, here we are and we're fixing things. And it's like, dude, we didn't ask you to fix our country or anything. Like, go home, stop. Like, And like, it's funny because Americans are totally portrayed very aptly in that way, I think, because they literally like there's even like one panel where they get the word um, helping and invading confused, like just to like show that it's like everything has a price to it. And especially with Wakandan, it's like, it's, they have like such technological advances and I forget what it's called, but it's like vibranium or something or vibranium. Mm-hmm. Vibranium. Vibranium. Vibranium, right? vibranium. Yeah. And like, that's like a really important resource. And it's like, you know, it goes with what Tom was saying. It's just like that greed and it's deplorable, but it's so relatable because you're just like, yeah, I, that's happening right now, actually. But anyone else have anything to add about religion or the religious aspects of this? Well, the first six issues. I think another interesting thing that they did with religion in particular is that like Jamie and also Tom already sort of talked about how like the the West doesn't really address other religions with an open mind. And um, I think another thing that worked here was sort of showing all of the equally absurd and totally hypocritical aspects of Christianity. And they focused on the Catholic Church, which is probably the goofiest form of Christianity. Mm -hmm. I say that as a Polish Irish person, but um, like the the Black Knight is a zealot, and everyone we were talking about this before. Like the Panther God is this weird thing, but this guy 
who is on a flying horse is somehow okay. Like, oh yeah, we get yeah, that. Exactly. That's cool. We're yeah. on board with that. Um, and then also when he, he delivers the speech, which is actually kind of rousing and it sort of faints towards how religion is really uh, potent and powerful. Um, but you also in that moment have like the mercenary who's willing to go along with it, even though he doesn't believe in it. Yeah, exactly. And also, the Frenchman. Yeah. yeah. And, and Rhino who's like, yeah, for An God. American. Yeah, and, exactly. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Into it, but still signing on to the, yeah, God is on board with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I thought was pretty fun. Yeah. Cause I just the picture of the Rhino basically saying, Hey, I get to wreck things for God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, that's really interesting. Cause it like almost, uh, when you see in the villains group, you just see how religion is manipulated or how each of them take religion or morality even, because obviously the, the black knight is the only one who's like very serious about it. Very um, sincere. The Frenchman's kind of just opportunist and is like, this is all wrong. And none of this makes sense, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. And then the rhino is just like, fuck it. I get to like exactly what Tom said. Like, I get to wreck shit. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like <laughs> for who? I don't care. But then and then that actually kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about next too. Um, if everyone's done with religion, uh, like I don't know what to do about Claw because we haven't talked enough about him. But Brian, I just wanted to say based on religion, and it's funny because I actually had a, a similar point to Jamie's. But so, like I always do, apparently. Typical. <laughs> Very typical. But um, and maybe this comes from and, you know, I actually just thought of this based off something, Kathy, you said, um, I'm a non-believer in any type of religion, but I went to Catholic school for a very long time. So I'm very versed in like this Catholic. explains it all, Brian. <laughs> I went to Catholic school. You can't see, but I'm high fiving you over Skype um, <laughs> to me. And it's funny because like talking about the mantle of Black Panther earlier and for some reason it just popped into my head, like the concept of the Pope. And it's kind of a similar thing. It is this, in my mind anyway, it's it's this symbolic title and this symbolic, uh, literally a uniform and a look and these symbolic powers and symbolic infallibility that whoever takes upon that title takes it and it's passed down in a line. Obviously in Wakanda, it's a familial line and in the Catholic Church, it's a uh, corrupt line. I didn't say that. Um, (laughs) But I don't know, it it was just an interesting thing to me and to, to tie it around religion. I don't know. That that just kind of popped into my head. I don't have like some bigger point to expound on it, but it did pop into my head. That means something, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So claw though. Yeah, no what? Mm-hmm. Get at me get at us on Twitter and tell me how you think Black Panther is the Pope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hashtag Black Panther, hashtag the Pope Da Pope. D A P O P E. Also Claw. What what about him? What mm-hmm. like cause he's he's doing it for vengeance, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just pure vengeance. It. Like, he's just like, oh, religion, that could help. Cool, whatever. Like, he doesn't care. I actually don't remember what the vengeance was about, though. He tried to kill the entire, T'Challa's entire family. Right, but, but why he, again? <laughs> and then he, and he got his arm taken off, or his hand, by T'Challa's dad. But he still got T'Challa, but he didn't get, or he got T'Challa's Was he hired father. to do that? Was he, like, just for yeah, hire? Yeah, he, he was just hired to do it, but he said he wanted to do it. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm confused because it's like multifaceted. It's not just because he lost his arm to T'Challa's father. It was because there was like a reason why he didn't like Wakandans or Black Panther to begin with. And I don't remember what that was, which is interesting because you would think that that's an important thing that you would remember. But right. why can't we? Why can't nobody remember? Tom? 
I gotta be honest, I'm actually struggling as well. <laughs> See, that's like that's what's so weird because Claw's not a bad villain in the sense that like he's not uninteresting, but at the same time, it's like while I say that, it's like why the fuck was he doing it again? It's almost as if like because Black Panther is such a like mythology in a sense that. It's almost like it doesn't matter if he has villains. He's like always going to have villains, but it just it's not personal enough to be like, oh, yeah, like Claw's doing this because of this reason. But I know there is a reason. I just can't fucking remember. Yeah. But OK. Yeah. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us how we're wrong. <laughs> I don't and, remember the retcon reason. I remember the original reason. What was the original but reason? I, I think it's retconned out from this series. So I don't it, care. I want to know anyway. Just, uh, he just was have the, an answer. He was the son of a Nazi. Oh, no, that's bullshit. No, no, that's no uh, it's not. His father, and like he went with his father, and he was the head of, like you know how the Nazis would send crazy science teams to everywhere they conquered? Like looking, you do. Looking for like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail and etc. Indiana and, Jones. Exactly. And uh, his father brought him to Wakanda. And he later returned there to try and steal vibranium and ended up killing uh, T'Challa's father. Mm. It's actually, I just, you saying that reminded me, it's similar here. Like his, his grandfather was one of the people who tried to conquer Wakanda originally. Like maybe the, the Belgian oh, white dude that we right. see in the flashback. Right. Yeah. So he's Belgian. He's doing it for familial reasons too. Yeah. That's interesting. It's all about ancestry. Okay, bringing it back, people. It's all about ancestry and keeping your bloodline and your bloodlines in check. Going. She just said it's all about incest, and I was really just, confused. Just ancestral. Doesn't need to share that. Ancestral, not ancestral, not thestrals either from Harry Potter. It's not any of that shit. It's ancestral. I think that's it. I've just got a mental image now of people looking up the Black Panther on Ancestry.com. <laughs> yeah, like just go and just get with it. Just know your family tree and all all that in case you care. And then and then fight for your right to party. <laughs> as as the Wakandans did. As the Rak- I mean, the kind Wakanda of. <laughs> Not necessarily the same thing. <laughs> but I think, yeah, so then I guess to end on a light note, we can just talk about. Can I just bring up one thing that hasn't come up? Uh, no, yeah, of course. Okay. No, of no course. one has said John Romita Jr., who did the art for the it's first six issues. Say, yeah. And I think that the, the art is outstanding. I can honestly say it's my favorite part of the arc. I think it's really no disrespect to the writer, but I think Ramita's arc is really cool. And um, I think sometimes he can be a bit hit or miss depending on the project. I think his, his style fits certain things better than others. And I think it really fits this Black Panther arc. Agreed. Definitely I loved it a lot too. It's tight. No, it's, it's actually very good. <laughs> I can't even, I didn't even, it's awful. It's to, It was so good to the point that I was just like, there, there's no point in being There's redundant. no other way to, to illustrate it, in my opinion. It's like that. Ha ha, illustrate it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was really stupid. I'm really tired now. <laughs> Kathy, do you have anything to say before we wrap up? I feel like anything be- funny. Uh, oh, I don't know about funny. I was just thinking that like funny? it would be really worthwhile to like, cover something specific about oh the yeah art. that's like, right it's really tom do you have any close readings did you wanted uh wanted to do before yeah. we close this podcast forever and tuck it away like the ark of the covenant okay yeah just keep yeah okay, <laughs> okay sorry no it's very important Let's okay um for me i think the piece that i want to look at was actually in the first issue there's a scene in the 19th century Mm. where the colonists, um, actually Claw's great-great-grandfather, as Cathy said, 
mm. uh, putting together an attack. And there's a really interesting sequence there. So they spy the Black Panther and they're getting their weapons ready. And then in the 19th century mind, there's this brilliant scene of futuristic Jack Kirby style machinery. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think John Romita Jr. there, and um, I was actually going to mention his art with this bit. I think it's really entertaining how he contrasts the time mm. with this insanely advanced technology. Suddenly you're there thinking, okay, they've clearly got microchips, electricity, electromagnetic <laughs> fields of some kind to affect the guns. Mm-hmm. They're at that point in the 19th century. But what I love about that whole scene, it's really brilliantly illustrated. The way the guns are exploding mm-hmm. as they're fired is really effectively done. Then you get Claw's great great grandfather yeah. refuses to back down. And so he's there, stood at this gun. Why are you backing away? Die, you black. And you know full well what he's actually going to say. It's not Black Panther. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But what I love about it is that I think in that single panel, you get the ethos of what Wakanda should be about. Mm. They have advanced technology that they use for their defense. who attack them are the ones who die and so you have this scene then sir before you slaughter us all i <laughs> hope you notice that he was the only person who continued <laughs> to fire on you i hope your offer to allow us to leave is still open please <laughs> and that's what wakanda is supposed to be they are the defenders mm. they use their technology and their power in their defense whereas by the end of this arc You've got the Black Panther seeking revenge. Mm. Very different motive. And as we mentioned, as Jamie Paul helped me to spot earlier, that desire for revenge is the undoing of Wakanda. Mm. Not this pure Wakanda of just isolated, defensive, insanely advanced. But ultimately, they won't be true to this by the end of their arcs. So it really interested me did that scene. Ramita's art is beautifully done now. All the way through, he catches the feel and the energy of it all. So effective. Mm. I'm so glad you pointed that scene out, Tom. I think right in the beginning, there's this really awesome, well-executed page-turn moment where the 19th century Europeans are holding up their old guns and they're going, they're a bunch of sound effects will clack, will clack, will clack. And it's like Mm. an old machine barely starting up. And they think that because there are seven of them, it's going to work out. And so you turn the page. And then, like you said, there's this Kirbyan style, really beautiful machine that's also like symmetric and well-designed and looks so advanced. And it's just a really excellent use of the page. Yeah. (laughs) So is it time to get silly, Kay? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i guess it is time to get silly i feel like that needs its own jingle like time to get silly with k <laughs> great i mean should it be a different you, segment like the last said. 10 minutes of just bullshit of me <laughs> being too drunk 
Okay. Ah. Get in silly with K. <laughs> oh no, it's not funny though. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we're doing for getting silly. Is that a dumb question? Uh, so I didn't totally understand the white panther that T'Challa like fights and then it's two sexy ladies and he has sex with both of them. Did anyone Wait, else what? When did that, that happen? That was a dream. That was a dream? Okay. I, I didn't totally follow. Who, okay, who wouldn't want to attack, be attacked by a large white panther <laughs> that turns into two women and then sleep with them? That kind of sounds that like a Michael a Jackson video outside oh, of yeah. the sleeping with women part. Come on. Like, you want to have more sex? I was like, okay. And you want to have more panther? Okay. I, I, guess. I don't know why it was a white panther, to be fair. Maybe it's like the white devil, white devil. I mean, it's just creamy, like a, a mocha <laughs> panther. The creamy <laughs> panther. <laughs> just Simba colored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was silly with no Kathy. Yeah, okay. On a psychoanalytic level, I could not explain to you like what his need is and what his like <laughs> public persona and what his tragic plot is based on. His that public persona panther is back, pa- back panther, <laughs> back panther, <laughs> back panther. <laughs> what would a back panther look like? Would he just slide on his back? Okay, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> okay, but black... Black panther as well. Cross of Batman and the black panther. Just back panther. Oh, a bat panther. With bat the panther. That would be interesting. That's Does that mean name. a bat? To reference an X-Men podcast that you can also <laughs> check out on comicsverse.com. Yeah. Does Somebody... a bat panther have to be a bat and a panther making love? Somebody needs to. What if a, what if a bat panther? I'm, sh- I'm sure someone has. It's the rule of the internet. Someone's r- slash fiction for everything. Well, tweet it at us at Comicsverse. <laughs> yes, please send <laughs> us your read. link. <laughs> um, we'll send you a T-shirt for the best one. Does a bat? What if a bat panther has sex with the chicken bug? Oh, from the X Men podcast. Wait, the chicken book? The chicken bug from the X Men <laughs> oh, podcast. The chicken the chicken bug. Bug. I thought I was like, how do you have sex with a book? I don't like, know. How do you have sex with a chicken bug? We asked many times. A chicken bug has holes. <laughs> 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 a book doesn't have holes unless you drill one in there. Okay, you have to like make a crevice Maybe. and make you, it you work. You can just open the book. <laughs> That's not. You can't fucking open book. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that was a very unintentional. That was like a really unintentionally deep statement. Like yeah. you can't fucking open book. No, there has to be some mystery. You're not book, <laughs> and you can't fuck a book by its cover. Oh, <laughs> that was good though. Yeah. But you can. So many, <laughs> so many comics verse T-shirts just came out of this. I hope so. Okay. Yeah, you'll yeah. get a free Comics First t-shirt if you... Comics First, you can't fuck a book by <laughs> You get a... Okay, but you will also get a t-shirt if you tweet us and find a very... Something that we find acceptable and sexy. That is a story between a panther and a bat or... Wait, what was it? A, mos- a mosquito? A chicken, oh, a, chicken. a bug. A chicken bug. A chicken <laughs> bug, chicken with, bug, a chicken bug with a panther bat. Okay, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we're kind of in the middle of something, Malia. I'm sorry, we were just interrupted by another person. So we have to deal with that shit right now, okay? (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be edited out probably. But I I hope not. I really hope not. Because I'm sassing it out right now. You dare ask questions? You dare speak to me. How dare you? 
Are there any other silly things that we want to talk about, like the horse shit? In the- oh, yeah. Or do we want to talk about Tashawn and how we have no fucking idea why we care about him? Oh, yeah. Nobody cares about him. Who is he? <laughs> Who is Tashawn? He's literally T'Challa's fucking cousin. It's like, cool. Be more useless. Like, he dies. He died and I didn't even care. No, he didn't die. Yeah, that he girl. He was possessed, right? He was possessed. Or- he didn't. That don't well, mean he died. Dead now, right? Isn't that the thing? Like, it's like a shape-shifting death yep. situation? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, it is. Oh, really? Yeah, Tashawn's dead. Is that what, is I don't that, even give a shit. Is that how Cannibal works? Yeah. Isn't that her name? Or his name? Yeah, because the girl died. She was dead. Yeah. Oh, so like, you like switch? I didn't realize that you switched. I just thought yeah, that he, like, she like possessed bodies. him. And so like the body that, I mean, like, I guess her body's not dead until she kissed Tashawn, mm-hmm. arguably, and then she died. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, really? I think that's how it works. Yeah. But that's still, so, I didn't give a shit about any of that. I but was that's like, also like, that's what was so weird about it was literally the comment on the plane about fucking, like about t shirt. That was so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. T-shirt, fucking this blonde chick who I'm not even sure is a woman. Not that it matters if she was a woman or not. Like she could be a fucking ape for all I care. But like, it's just <laughs> like, fun. okay, maybe not. That's not appropriate. It was so unnecessary. Apparently that's so the line. Apparently animals are the line. Okay. Like, sorry. I, we were talking about bad panthers. So I was excited. <laughs> but... <laughs> To like oh okay <laughs> but no it was those I, are the sounds of the bat panther I thought, <laughs> the mating sounds so no hot. but I feel like the reason why that happened I thought was purely to justify Cannibal as a character kissing Tushan but that's so stupid yes. because it was such a nothing narrative and that's the end of getting <laughs> sassy with K and this segment has different names la 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 bye. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. Thanks for listening to us talk about Black Panther and then briefly Bat, Panther, Bird, Bug hybrids yet again. We look forward to hearing uh, all about your favorite slash fiction with various animals. Thanks to Jamie and thanks to Tom and thanks to Kay, who did an excellent job hosting us all the way through to the end. We would like for you to check us out on comicsverse.com, on facebook.com slash comicsverse, on Twitter at at comicsverse, on Tumblr, comicsverse.tumblr. Tumblr.com on Instagram, uh, Instagram slash Comicsverse. At Comicsverse. At Comicsverse, okay. And YouTube.com slash Comicsverse TV. Also, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and someday iHeartRadio. Please tune in next time for DC Comics. Finally, for those of you who are sick of hearing about Marvel, they're going to be talking about Hush and also Jason Todd Red Hood. So that should be a really good time for everybody. Uh, Come on back. Uh, Come on, Black Panther. Goodbye. (laughs)